The Westwinds Breviary is our gift to you during the shelter-in-place order concerning COVID-19. We offer you hope and healing as lovers and followers of Jesus Christ believing these short online liturgies will elevate your spirits and unify your homes. May God bless you richly as you endeavor to renew your mind and love your neighbor. Good morning, church. God wants a true heart, a heart that draws near to him. Hold fast to your God. Welcome to our Thursday Matin service. Thanks for being with us this morning. Hebrews chapter 10, uh, verse 21 says, And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and to good works. This passage in the book of Hebrews starts um, by telling us why we should do the things that the writer is about to instruct us to do. It starts by saying, since we have a great high priest. Now this we understand through the writing of Hebrews to be Jesus. So another way to say this would be, because we have Jesus. Because of what Jesus has done for us, because we are followers of Jesus who are giving our lives to him, then we should do the following things. And the the writer of Hebrews here gives us us three things um, that we ought to do. And I love the parts of the Bible where it's clear. You know, I I also enjoy the fact that that there's some mystery in the scripture and there's some work we have to do sometimes. Sometimes we have to dig some things out. But I am the kind of person, maybe you're this way too, I'm the kind of person who really likes someone just to tell me, hey, do this. Do A, B, and C. These are the steps. If you do these things, this is what will happen. So anytime I find a passage of scripture that says specific things that we should do, I find myself going, yes. Finally, something that I can hang on to, something that's clear and that's practical. So, uh, maybe you'll feel that way as you hear this, but since Jesus is who he is, and since we are his followers, here are the three things we should do. The first says, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Notice that phrase at the beginning, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. The writer of Hebrews says the first thing that we should do because of what Jesus has done for us is we should draw near to him. I love that. I love the idea that because we understand that Jesus has sacrificed himself, that he has love and grace and mercy that have been poured out for us, that because his work on the cross is already finished for you, that you can draw near to him. Because of what Jesus has done, we can actually be close to him. But in order to be close to him, you need the second thing he says there. He says we can draw close to him with full assurance. Because here's the reality. If you do not see God for who he is, if you do not believe fully in what Jesus has done for you, it doesn't make a lot of sense to try to draw close to him. I'll say it another way. If, If your version of God is your dad, your earthly dad, who was always slightly disappointed in you, if your version, when you see God in your head, if somehow they're like your ex who abandoned you, 
If when you see God in your head, he's a, you know, an angry boss or, you know, a disgruntled um, police officer, you know, shooting radar on the side of the road who's going to clock at 56 and a 55. If you, if you have these bad images of God in your mind, then drawing close to him doesn't make any sense. So, so that's why the writer of Hebrews says, before you draw close to him, you've got to know who he is. Because this is who he is, you can draw close to him. And in order to draw close to him, you've got to have assurance. You've got to have that belief inside of you that he is everything that he says he is. Now, this is one of the reasons why I believe that reading the scripture is so important. You know, this is a great time during quarantine when, when so many of us find ourselves at home. You know, you've played every board game you have like 20 times. Uh, you've watched everything that you care to watch on, you know, on, on Netflix. And, 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 you're, and you're kind of out of things to do. I'd encourage you to try the YouVersion Bible app on your phone or, or, or get a Bible. Uh, if you don't have one, please reach out to me. I have plenty. I will, I will send you one in the mail. Um, and start in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and read about the life of Jesus and really get to know him. Because once you know him, it will make a lot of sense for you to draw near to him. And you'll be able to draw near to him with assurance, with assurance that he's everything that he says he is, and that he loves you, and that he wants good for you, and that he wants relationship with you. So because of who Jesus is and because we are his followers, we draw near to him. The second thing it says is let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. The second thing the author of Hebrews tells us to do is to hold fast. So first we hear him say, draw near. And then second, he says, you've got to hold fast. And specifically, you've got to hold fast to hope, to your confession of hope. And I don't think a phrase like this would be in the Bible if hanging on to our faith was simple and easy. But if you have been following Jesus for any length of time at all, you know that holding on to his promises in times when you're not seeing them come through, you know that holding on to your faith that he's who he says he is, when you see yourself being disappointed time and time again in, in earthly relationships that maybe are supposed to reflect his love for you, but they're not doing it, Man, it is hard to hold on. And the image that comes to my mind when I see this is, is water skiing. Now, I tried water skiing one time. It was brutal, and, and I think I lost my swim trunk somewhere in the process and almost drowned. Um, but the one thing that I know is once you get yourself up on the water, holding on is really, really important, right? And you're holding on because the boat that is pulling you is what's creating the power. Now, now you've got to hold on. You've got to get yourself up. You've got to balance. But the boat, without it, you, you, you can't go to the place you want to go. So the writer of Hebrews says we have to hold on to God, to his promises. And it's not always going to be easy. You might be watching this right now thinking to yourself, I am so close to letting go. And my encouragement to you today is don't do it. Hold on. And listen to the last part of this. Hold on without wavering because he who promised is faithful. Hold on and don't let go, not because you're strong enough, not because you can do it all on your own, but because the one who promised you is faithful, right? You hold on when you're skiing because the boat's going to do its job. 
right? And we hold on in our faith because the God who has promised that he will not leave us or forsake us, the God who has promised to give us a hope and a future, the God who has promised that through him all things are possible, the God who has promised that he works things together for our good, that God's faithful. He does what he says he's going to do. He shows up in the places that he says he's going to show up. He doesn't waver and neither should we. So because of who he is, we draw near to him. Because of who he is, we hold fast. We hold tight to his promises. And then lastly, it says, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Because of who Jesus is and what he's done for us, not only do we draw near, not only do we hold fast, but we also stir up. Now, when I hear this phrase initially, I only think about it through the lens of, of me as a middle school boy. And, and that means that stirring up is only about annoying people. It's only about going up or going around and running my mouth. I mean, I was never the fastest kid. I was never the, the, the most athletic, you know, best looking kid or anything like that. But man, could I talk. So my, my gift, my weapon was the ability to go around and just stir stuff up, just stir the pot, just get people going, get people agitated and, and, and all of that. I, I think I still have a little bit of that in me uh, today. Um, but in this case, when he says stir up, he's not saying stir people up to be angry, to be frustrated, to be agitated. He's not talking about being, you know, a tease or being, you know, childish in this way. Specifically, he says stir people up to love and good works. And, he, and, and not just stir people up, stir one another up. Just imagine what that means. That in the same way that I might be going around saying, hey, man, did you, did you hear what did you hear what Ryan said about you? You know, um, he's a, Ryan's our cameraman back here, but did you, or did you hear that? I heard that this is going on. In the same way you might stir things up that way, we should be going around to people and going, hey, hey I, what, what's God doing in your life right now? What dreams do you have? That's awesome. How can I support you? How can I help you? How can I pray for you in that? Oh, let me tell you what God is doing in my life. Wouldn't it be amazing if somehow we could collaborate together? How's that thing going with your neighbor? I know you said you were helping them out with some things. That's what it means to stir each other up for good works. Because as it turns out, there is more power when we are encouraging each other. The kingdom grows when we are working together. And we have the ability to ignite passion in other people. We have the ability to keep someone else going um, by believing in them and by encouraging them and by keeping the voice of God strong in their lives. But you know what it takes to be able to do that fully? We got to just get out of our own way sometimes. Because this is true. If you are focused on you, if Ben is all about Ben and what's going on with him, I can't stir anyone else up. Stirring other people up to good works is a selfless act. It requires an external focus. But notice that the verse says we're supposed to stir one another up, which means that, that, that if I'm doing that for other people, if I'm being a blessing to other people, and, and I'm part of the church when it's working right, other people should be doing that for me as well. So nobody goes without the encouragement that they need. So this passage in Hebrews reminds us that God is who he says he is, that Jesus is our high priest, that he is our savior, that he has died for us and resurrected on our behalf. And because of that, because of what he has done, we can draw near to him with confidence. We can hold fast because we know he's faithful. 
And we can start going around to everyone who will listen, everyone in our circle, and stir in the pot a little bit. Um, and reminding people that God is doing amazing things in their lives and that we are blessed to get to be a part of the story of God together. task for you this week, in fact, for every day this week, that you would complete a conscious act of kindness. Sometimes it's popular to hear about random acts of kindness, and that's, that's nice. I think that's sweet. Um, but I don't want to be randomly kind, because unfortunately, my own character is such that r randomly I will not be. I will not accidentally be kind with enough frequency or depth for it to make a positive change in the world. In order for me to 
be the kind of person I want to be. I, I have to consciously be kind. I have to choose kindness. I have to choose love. I have to choose forgiveness. I have to choose gentleness. I have to choose tenderness. I have to, I have to choose it, and then I have to act on it. I'd like you this week to commit a conscious act of kindness. And, and you might forget. I mean, you know, life gets so busy, you get tied up with kids or housework or projects or, or, or work work or, or going out and all the craziness and the scariness out there. I mean, you, ju you just might forget. So I'd like you to remind yourself somehow. Um, maybe a special coin that you put in your pocket, maybe something on your key ring, maybe a post-it note on your dashboard or on your fridge or on your mirror where you do your hair. Uh, for me, the reminder that I use is this little rubber Kalo ring. Um, now, it's, of course, it's designed to be a, a wedding ring for weightlifters so that the barbell doesn't scrape up your wedding ring. Um, but my wedding ring is unscrapable. So instead, I use this Kalo ring as a reminder. I, I just play with it. Um, it's like the, the new version of tying a string around your finger, except I can't tie knots with one hand. Um, and so when I just fiddle with this ring, it's a reminder for me that I, I am called by God equipped by God to be an ambassador of Christ Jesus, of love and friendship to the world, proclaiming the gospel of peace in every possible way, whether that's opening doors or helping people with groceries or helping people stack drywall from six feet away. In whatever way I can, I want to be somebody who uses cleverness and creativity to find opportunities to bless others in the name of Jesus. And this week, that's what I'd like you to do too. So this is your commission commit a conscious act of kindness and may God fill you with his pleasure as you do. Our hope must be shared. Our belief ignites their hearts. We need each other. Shared hope leads us to good works. Together, we are stronger. Uh, so grace and peace be with you. Jesus is risen, he is alive, and he is moving in the world. So let that change you this week.